Hello, welcome to Songs and Tales, a podcast where we delve too greedily and too deep into the works of J.R.R. Tolkien. I'm Aaron. And I'm Clara. And we are the logs with eyes that will float along behind you on this journey. To be a log with eyes. Does that sound nice? (laughs) Yeah, you just float. You just float all the time. Googly eyes? realize like what what are we, is this like a, uh, is this like a child's craft project or is this like a a thing like uh, a weird sort of like it's a good question. you know cartoon network yeah no, that's a good question Long maybe can- <laughs> maybe candy eyes wouldn't those just dissolve in the water they would. it would be a metaphor <laughs> for uh, i don't know don't ask <laughs> don't ask me <laughs> I just worked a full day. So Aaron and I are recording after work today. It's real chaos. Um, It's real chaos. It's wild. I've been sitting at this desk for so long. Same. Same. (laughs) Yeah, I worked from home today, so I haven't left this room except to get lunch and uh, do a load of laundry, but don't tell anyone. I won't. Thank you. Uh, But yeah, we're here because we, well, for two reasons. We are at the end of fellowship and we are going to be going on a little summer break. Yes, because and we, we both figured, have busy summers, and we figured it best to kind of, you mm. know, align the two, yeah. rather than make y'all wait a few weeks for <laughs> the end final of this episode book. of this book. Yeah, so I don't. Do we know how long? We haven't even talked about how long we were going to take a break, but no, we'll probably take like two weeks. We'll be back at the end of July. Okay. I'll be in Chicago. Assumption. Give us some time to start reading the two towers and true. My favorite of the books. Mine too. See if it stands true. Did you know that the orchestra is doing uh, the two towers at blossom this year? No, I did not. This is very topical uh, (laughs) and relevant for everyone not listening in Northeast Ohio. (laughs) That is so loud. (laughs) Gonna try Uh... to even out the audio when I edit this. It's just going to be like, Anyway, yeah, very topical. I know I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, uh... Do you have to be an orc to go? I think so. Okay. Or a tree. Probably an orc. Could be a log with eyes. I could be. Is a log with eyes just a chopped down end? Oh, that's so sad. (laughs) I think that's a tree with eyes. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's really sad to think about. Mm Hmm. Hmm. Sorry, my dog is barking. This is real high quality. It's a look. It's a different vibe tonight. Today, you know what? This is real it's life, fine. folks. That's right. This is real life. Some podcasts, you know, mm-hmm. they they shy away from the truth. That's right. They edit here, these things out. They record in their closets mm-hmm. so that they have good, you know, muffled audio. They have professional studios. I'll tell you what. Unpaid interns. We have unpaid us. Yeah. We have. Our- I'm the unpaid intern. <laughs> Sorry. We have our desks in our rooms, like kids in high school, and uh, it's real, it's raw, it's unfiltered. It's the Fellowship of Three. <laughs> wow. Have you thought about a career in the right wing radio, Claire? <laughs> <laughs> Just the truth. They're, putting, no. they're turning the frogs gay. <laughs> Affirmative action is actually <laughs> racist. 
Oh no, too soon for that. Topical, topical. It, it won't be by the time this episode comes out, but uh, that's good because then people won't think we're jerks for laughing about it. Yeah, well, you know, if we're not laughing, we're crying. So that is true. Welcome to the past what four years now. I can't actually go on. longer. I'll go on, as our friend said. <laughs> My heart will go on, as our other friend said. That's right. And uh, you know what? You know who would have been friends with Celine? Tolkien? Probably not Tolkien. Oh. <laughs> That's our segue. <laughs> wow, good one. We're, we're in we rare form. Yeah, we should. Over? No, no, no. No, we're already in it. We're committed. Look, you said, you said like two seconds ago that we didn't shy away from the truth. It was raw and unfiltered. I just meant we don't shy away from like not having our dogs barking in the background. I don't think I said anything about the truth. I'll tell you what. After a full day of work, my dogs are barking. All right, let's get into this. So Fellowship of the Ring. <laughs> Claire just looks. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm sorry. The face you made. My bad joke. Uh, anyway, we have the final two chapters. The Great River and the Breaking of the Fellowship. That's right. We are out of Lorien. Yeah, off Lorien. That's right. Uh, and we're rolling, rolling on the river. With their little <laughs> gang of pals here that are uh, the, the vibe is really down when they leave. Yeah. Everybody's really, really not feeling upbeat when, they, when they depart. They are sad, but no one's sadder than Boromir at this point. Sad, mad. Not glad. Not. Yeah, really uh, bad. <laughs> it's Boromir. Yeah, he's he's having a time. Uh but maybe, well, I see you put some questions in. I had some, I guess, questions or vague statements. The thing about these chapters is like not, well, this chapter is like not a ton of stuff happens in the Great River, but there's like interesting moments, I guess. But it's, yeah. they're really just kind of having a float. Yeah. Uh, I mean, my, I don't know where you want to start. Uh, we talk about Aragorn. We have a couple questions about Aragorn. Uh, do we want to start there? Because I have a question of, of like, is he, know what he's doing? <laughs> No, okay. no, 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 no. Like he's just making this up as he goes along, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. This is Aragorn with imposter syndrome. I think. <laughs> yeah, like why? I mean, partly is he? He's partly the reason they stay as long as they do in Lothlorien, right? Like he's not really urging them to get moving. Yeah, like, they kind of just linger, and I think there's a narrative reason for the. Well, not a narrative reason, but a symbolic book reason for this like Tolkien wants to make sure that his dates line up so uh -huh. that you know the ring gets thrown in Mount Doom on the 25th of March which is uh Annunciation right yes yeah yes uh, yeah yes nine months before Christmas yeah Annunciation. right um, I always get what's the Annunciation and the assumption immaculate conception they all mm -hmm. and the immaculate reception the Immaculate Reception. Mm. Um, yes, also a holy day. We all attend <laughs> Only in Pittsburgh. <laughs> throw our footballs in the air. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so I understand that, that maybe that's partly why he's stretching it out, but mm -hmm. like, is there like a narrative justification for why they're hanging out so long? Do you think? I mean, we don't know they're hanging out so long. That's, that's true. The thing. Like, we <clears throat> so don't they just know like until not this... realize yeah. while they're there? Okay. Yeah, because remember Frodo... Sam is like, mm -hmm. yeah, they can't see the moon or something. Yeah, right? Sam is like, oh, the moon was new or like barely new when we entered Lothlorien, and now it's just like 
barely mm. knew again. Did no time pass? Did mm-hmm. a lot of time pass? And Frodo says, I think we stayed three nights there. <laughs> and then Aragorn turns around and is like, no, it's been a month, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like... So, like, I don't know that there is a real narrative reason because, okay. like, they don't even know. Right. That Obviously, well, Aragorn, Aragorn does. Knows, yeah. But, I, but right. I don't know if he knows while he's in it. Right. Like, does oh, he. Okay. I don't right? know. Does he yeah. know while, we're, while they're there how much time is passing? Or does he, like, not realize until they get out? And because he's just such, like, a, you know, mountain man, he can read mm-hmm. the, like, signs and. A natty bumpo, uh, if you will. Yeah, and like understand like that they're a month ahead right. in time now. Well, I also wonder if because he's Numenorean, his perception of time is slightly different than the Hobbits. That could be. They never talk about that, but that's an mm-hmm. interesting question. Um, like because yeah. we talked a little bit about this with the elves, right? Like that living longer would mean your perception of time. Yeah, well, they talk about it pretty explicitly in this chapter in the mm-hmm. great river right mm-hmm. um yeah in the case of the elves right yeah like what is let me try to find where that discussion is okay so legolas says like frodo and sam are kind of going back mm-hmm. and forth trying to decide like oh does time stop or right like is time moving differently mm-hmm. and legolas says May time does not tarry ever, he said, but change and growth is not in all things and places alike. For the elves, the world moves, and it moves both very swift and very slow. Swift because they themselves change little and all else fleets by. It is a grief to them. Slow because they do not count the running years, not for themselves. The passing seasons are but ripples ever repeated in the long, long stream. Yet beneath the sun, all things must wear uh, to an end at last. (laughs) And then, you know, Frodo says something about Galadriel having an elven ring. He gets scolded by Aragorn. Um, And Aragorn then goes on to kind of add to what Legolas says, saying, But so it is, Sam. In that land you lost your count. There time flowed swiftly by us as for the elves. The old moon passed, and a new moon waxed and waned in the world outside while we tarried there. And yester-eve a new moon came again. Winter is nearly time, Mm -hmm. or nearly Mm -hmm. gone. Time flows on. To a spring of little hope. Thank you, Aragorn. What a real. Yeah, he's a bit of a scold and a bummer in this section, but uh, okay. He's so he's he's got a lot on his mind. So they're saying that being in Lorien brought them into this like elven time bubble. Yes. Where they experience time. Yes. As the elves do. Yes. Which is where like time flows around them very Mm -hmm. swiftly, but they experience time very slowly because right so that's they why they don't count okay. time right which we talked way long ago yes in about like how time is measured and i think i either i brought up or you brought up that like the elves don't have a need for measuring time mm-hmm. right if you have no lifespan right? right humans measure time so that we can like plot out our own lifespan basically in mm-hmm. like years Mm-hmm. but elves don't have a need for that so like why would they have any need to like plot any sort of time right. markings I mean the only time I see it occasionally come up is with like the delineation between ages right and there's but... and, and the ages are so long <laughs> right like, it's right? like geological like time yeah. yeah or not quite geological time but 
much right, longer than yeah. yeah yeah it's eons right mm-hmm. it's not eras <laughs> yeah but it's yeah it's a significant amount of time so um, okay Okay. But yeah, I don't think there is a narrative reason for their staying. I truly mm-hmm. think it's just like while they're in it, they don't know what's happening. Aragorn is maybe Aragorn. Well, Legolas probably does. Yeah. Okay. Right. But again, he's not like counting. He's not actually saying like, "Oh, we've mm-hmm. been here a month. We gotta go." And I don't think Aragorn is either. Like they okay. probably understand that while they're there, time is going to be different. But I don't. Mm-hmm. know that right they may have stayed three nights there and they experience it as right sam and frodo at least from the text indicates that like they're still experiencing time as they perceive it things aren't slowed down the days aren't longer whatever mm-hmm. it's just like stretched over more than hmm. the right. world around them okay wild and, man like, aragorn doesn't really know what to do but i don't think that they're that that's why they're there as long as they are right because they don't know they're there as long as right. they are okay. for all they know and even aragorn all he knows is he's there you know three or four yeah. days until he comes outside right and then he can figure oh it's been a month convenient okay. right okay. to get us to the point where it's the feast of the annunciation mm-hmm. so we're in like early march yeah. Which... Once the the two towers and the return of the king do not take up a lot of time. No. Of time. Yeah, things move very quickly, which is why I think I like that book better. Yes. Because uh, this book, I think the second half is much stronger than the first half. Let's wait to discuss until the end, Aaron. Wow. Okay. You have your last question on here. I, I thought know. you wanted to save it. I do. I don't know. I just wrote that down in the order it came in my brain. Okay. Well. Uh, but yeah, okay. So Aragorn doesn't really know what he's doing. But as you point out, we have this kingly vision of him. Do you want to talk a little bit about where that happens? Oh, sure. This is yeah. a this is um right at the very end of the chapter, the Great River, and they very famously float between the Argonath, which are these big statues of the Numenorean kings. Um, specifically, it is Isildur and Anarion. And it's a lot scarier. (laughs) Like, it's a lot scarier than it is, I think, depicted in the movies. Um, so they are, like, in their boats. They go past these giant, um, you know, statues. And they are like bordered they're basically in like a canyon or like a gorge rather mm-hmm. there's like high cliffs on each side it's dark they can't see there's it's windy uh mm-hmm. frodo crouched over his crouching over his knees heard sam in front muttering and groaning what a place what a horrible place just let me get out of this boat and i'll never wet my toes in a puddle again let alone a river so it's like very terrifying for the hobbits um and all of a sudden they hear strider say fear not and Frodo turns and saw Strider, and yet not Strider. Mm-hmm. And he has this vision of Aragorn 
says, uh, in the stern sat Aragorn, son of Arathorn, proud and erect, guiding the boat with skillful strokes. His hood was cast back and his dark hair was blowing in the wind. A light was in his eyes, a king returning from exile to his own land. Fear not, he said, long have I desired to look upon the likenesses of Isildur and Anarion, my sires of old. Under their shadow, Elisar, the elf stone, son of Arathorn, of the house of Valandil, Isildur's son, heir of Elendil, has naught to dread. Aragorn's back, baby. <laughs> I mean, if I were the hobbits, I would still be dreading. Uh, yeah, because then immediately it says that the light from his eyes faded and he spoke to himself, would that Gandalf were here, how my heart yearns for Minas Anor and the walls of my own city, but whither shall I go? Wow. <laughs> so, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, I, yeah. Doesn't know what he's doing. He's scared. Yeah, does not know what he's doing. Uh, but what do we, like, what do we make of this kind of kingly vision all of a sudden? Uh, why, uh, why here? Yeah. Why here? And, like, what is this little, I don't, I guess it's an exchange with no with, one with that no he one. has, but. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's sort of his Garden of Gethsemane moment, <laughs> frankly. Uh, he's a little bit, I mean, he's framed as being somewhat messianic. Mm-hmm. here and yeah. gandalf takes the role of this sort of almost god figure mm-hmm. he's you know asking for guidance uh but yeah why here i mean he's crossing over into the because this is the border right into or what where are we yes. geographically yeah it is, the, it is the border okay yeah so that's why those statues are there mm-hmm. right so in the sight of sort of his you know uh forebears he something of reawakened mm-hmm. within him. And we've kind of seen hints of this throughout the book, right? Mm-hmm. Where like kingly things pop up yeah. to the surface a little bit, but here it's the most, I don't know, the most uh, physically manifested. Mm-hmm. Cause every other time it's someone perceives him in a kingly way, yeah. but like he's not actually necessarily showing it. Mm-hmm. Whereas here it's, you know, his eyes are flashing. He's standing up in the boat, which seems unsafe. Like, bro. No, he's sitting. Oh, he's I thought he said. Oh, okay. Sitting proud. Okay, I thought he was standing. No, he's sitting. Okay, so he's just sitting really straight up. His hair is blowing. It's all foggy around them. I wish yeah. the movie had done this with the fog. And yeah. the spookier. Yeah. It's not very menacing in the movie. No. It's not at all menacing in the movie. No. Anyway. Um, it's less uh, majestic to... Yeah. Well, I think the thing is, right, that these two chapters are sort of the crossroads Mm -hmm. for a lot of characters. Mm -hmm. This is sort of Aragorn's moment Mm -hmm. of indecision that leads ultimately to a decision. Mm -hmm. Just not here yet. Um, But like we see it elsewhere, right, with Frodo climbing up to Ammon Hen. uh, We'll see it with Boromir's fateful decision. Sam, right, of course, makes a choice. Like all these characters are making these these choices about where they're going to go, who they're going to go with. and like character traits are revealed mm-hmm. about all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this is sort of Aragorn's moment where his, which we've already, you know, he's already been marked a king, but here it's being made more explicit, more direct. Right. Um, he, this is the first time he has ever said. Yes. Like, right. It's only I come am, out of his mouth. Yeah. Right. This is, yeah, this is the first mm. sort of instance of him being like, mm. this is who I am. Um, Go ahead. And it's, oh, it's the first instance, too, where I think we see we've seen Frodo worried about the absence of Gandalf. But this is mm-hmm. the first instance where I think we really get a sense that Aragorn is also, mm-hmm. you know, kind of 
not to make a joke at, at sea, <laughs> lost at sea uh, mm-hmm. as well. Like we expected from Frodo, right? But we expect it less from Aragorn. So it kind of yeah. adds to the general unease that really def- defines this whole chapter. Like everybody is deeply uneasy and unsettled in this section for a variety of reasons. Um, and I think, you know, the point of having Aragorn, even in this moment of like his kingly ascension also admit mm-hmm. that like it just emphasizes the, the sort of critical point the fellowship is at here um, and of course we also have you know Gollum paddling along behind them like there's these threads all around them yeah. the Nazgul are circling right. it They're seems being, like chased down yeah. the river by Gollum they have the orcs closing in on the mm-hmm. east we don't know yet about the Urukai, but um right aragorn does say in the next chapter that he has mm-hmm. like kind of like a sense of mm-hmm. dread even on the western shore he doesn't feel but then he's like oh that could just be because we know right the orcs are on the east right this nazgul flies overhead they're like the pressure is on, it's on right like yeah. the pressure has been on but here it's it's there are actually real physical dangers to them if they don't decide mm-hmm. what they're going to do mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of like the choice with Moria repeating, mm-hmm. but yes. without Gandalf. Right. So it's, you know, Aragorn, I think, is feeling the pressure of being the one who has to make the decision mm-hmm. without right. consulting Gandalf, because I don't think he really trusts anyone else to be sort of a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not confidant, but like someone he can consult with mm-hmm. in the same way. Yeah. Um, so there's a sense that he's feeling all that pressure too. So Frodo's feeling the pressure of being the ring bearer and Aragorn's feeling the pressure of, you know, getting him there. Yeah. Which is also crazy to think about when you think about what's coming down the road. Like what if Aragorn had just stayed with Frodo? Yeah. I and see is that her. what, yeah. is that what Aragorn's worried about here with the absence of Gandalf that he's going to have to stay with? Frodo? Like, is there this sense that there is always going to be a break in the fellowship too? Like, cause like Western. Aragorn's, Aragorn knows his path is elsewhere, right? Right. Right. And so I do think that's what this. Okay. I, I think, and I don't, I mean, I don't know, right? Mm-hmm. I'm just speculating as you are, but like, I think that's kind of what this section here with the mm-hmm. kind of Argonoth and his, like, all of a sudden he is, you know, a king. Yeah. And yeah. He talks about how he's a king. And then he's like, Ugh, I want to go. Yeah. Like, I want to go to Minas Anor. But. But he feels like he has to go with Frodo. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that's his like big struggle is that he. It doesn't. It's not that he doesn't want to go with Frodo, but yeah. like I think he knows that like. Mm-hmm. This is his moment as a leader, as the king of Gondor, you know. It says he's returning from exile. You don't return from exile just to like leave. Right. And there's no one in the fellowship. I think he trusts to go the rest of the way mm-hmm. completely for a variety of reasons. I think he knows the, the power of the ring to corrupt yeah. all of them. I mean, Borner yeah. is the clearest example, but mm-hmm. um, I think Gandalf would have been the only one he would have trusted to, yeah. to take them. I mean, it is clear, I think it's pretty clear that like there is there was always going to be a break, right? I just don't think Aragorn thought that he would be like he would have to break and go with Frodo because he says in um, the breaking of the fellowship when they're kind of talking about like you know 
what are we going to do, blah, blah, blah. Um, where would you go? Um, this is when we miss, the, we miss Gandalf the most. And Legolas says, you know, I would vote to go to Minas Tirith. And Gimli said, well, I would too, except, like, it would be a betrayal to Frodo if I didn't go with him. And Aragorn says, um, if you would let me choose, then I should appoint three companions, Sam, who could not bear it otherwise, and Gimli and myself. So, like, Aragorn knows if Frodo doesn't choose to go alone, he's going to have to go babysit him. I think Gimli is an interesting choice here. What do you, uh... What do you think of that? I wondered if it had to do with his change of heart. It seems that he's had or. Oh, since Lothlorien Gimli, I mean, like he seems different. Yeah, Uh, he's definitely more reflective in this section about his time there. Um, He and Legolas have become super close, which is very Mm -hmm. cute. Friends. Um, Yeah, I don't I am also surprised. I, I don't have a clear explanation for why, but it, it is surprising that it seems like it should be like us. And I don't know why. I wonder if like an elf can't just walk into Mordor, right? Like maybe the question is like, could, you know, Frodo and Sam end up going by themselves. Uh. Spoiler alert. <laughs> and like, could anyone else have like, truly could Gandalf have gone with them? Right? Like he's, we well, know I think that... he, he would have drawn the attention of Sauron, right? Like, isn't right, that what they right. say later about all these other people? Yeah. <laughs> so, like, and only so, the hobbits are unimportant. Right, same with, like, Aragorn. Right. And, well, Legolas, for sure. I think Gimli is just, like, dwarves are very stout. They're very mm-hmm. hardy. They're very strong. Like. He could just do it. I think, right. I think he yeah. would just be, like, a. He'd be more useful, I guess. No offense to Legolas, but <laughs> I think Gimli would be more useful in a pinch. Legolas, do you even lift, bro? Um, although, right, like I think Legolas would be less likely to be corrupted by the mm. ring. I think he'd be more likely to get them spotted. That's yeah. You might be right. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know. All I know is he shoots down an Asgul in the dark, it seems yes, like. Yes, he does do that. Um, great job, Legolas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, everyone has a little crisis of... of mm-hmm. Right? Like, does it's Legolas? interesting, right? Well, yeah, Legolas is oh, like, sorry, I'm yeah, going to go yeah. to Minas Tirith. Mm. Right? In the last chapter, two chapters ago, Galadriel kind of like offers them Mm-hmm. something we don't really know what but again presumably she's like either asking like do you want the ring or like are like are you willing to continue on this quest right. and like clearly here it's kind of manifest right they have a choice to either continue with Frodo or not but it's curious because, like, what are they, we've asked, we kind of asked, what are they going to do if they go with Frodo, right? Like, is Aragorn going to be able to just, like, walk into Mordor? I, yeah, probably not. Uh, but then it's like, what are the others going to do if they go to Minas Tirith? I mean, I yeah. guess we find out because that's what happens in the books, but sort of roundabout. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, what are they hoping is the outcome then? That they're just going to, like, help Denethor? I guess 
Yeah, it's strange that Legolas is the one who's like, yeah, let's go to Minas Tirith. Yeah. It's it's inter- it's interesting because it seems like they're up against such odds. Mm-hmm. What good is either? Like, it's a choice yeah. between kind of like two bad options, mm-hmm. I guess. Right, because I mean, they're they're not gonna be able to hold out there very long. Right. If especially if Sauron gets the ring, but even if he doesn't, like the suggestion at this point anyway is that Minas Tirith is not long for this mm-hmm. <laughs> Middle Earth. Yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, it's it is strange. Yeah, what the what the hope for outcome there is because it can't be what Boromir hopes, right? Which is that they take the ring. So like, right. yeah, what is the alternative? You just buy time, I guess. For I guess so. Are they? I guess they're already thinking in those terms, presumably. Too many choices, none of them good. No, that's kind of the problem. Mm-hmm. But luckily, they don't have to make that choice. Frodo decides to go it alone. It's made for them. Marion Pippin gets stolen away by some Urukai and. Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli go after them. So, problem solved. Boromir dies. <laughs> problem solved. How convenient. Yeah, no, no kidding, right? I think we've kind of covered the Great River pretty much, right? Is there anything else you want to say about that? You journey? have your question about your controversial <laughs> question. It's not my question. I know. Okay, but... so some chud on the internet. And for we the, love and hate the internet so much. Don't we really we? do. We really do. Uh, ask the question or pose the question that uh, is it Galadriel who starts Boromir's descent into madness? That's a direct quote. It's always got to be a lady. Mm-hmm. She didn't smile enough. It's really yeah. I was like, is this someone who like reads a lot of Jordan Peterson? Uh, and I, I'm I would bet on that this is a Jordan Peterson person. Um, because the way the question's phrased is, yeah, definitely blame me. Whereas I think there is a way you can say that she prompts him to uh, be mm, torn between these two choices more than he was. Like, I think he's aware that on some level that what he's doing is bad when he's taking yes. the ring from Frodo. And I think it's because of what Gladriel asked him in Lothlorien. Yeah, I think I think Boromir Gladriel but doesn't I, start his No, but I don't think she made mad, him crazy. Madness. Right. Right. Yeah. Boromir, we've already kind of seen some like tendencies mm. to want the ring, to like kind of fundamentally misunderstand kind like of it's how nature the ring works. And it works. Yeah. Um we've seen that already mm, so like not new galadriel doesn't start anything Mm-mm. i think galadriel is maybe the crucible in which like his kind of i don't know i guess like his his madness gets like galvanized in a way right she but it's not her fault she she just simply like offers him what he wants and he says he wants the ring and then maybe like that's the first time he's admitting it to himself and so Mm -hmm. so he you know she's just the catalyst for this but like she doesn't she doesn't really do anything other than ask him the question that she's asking everyone which is do you like want the ring for yourself right like all of her questioning is about, you know, their fidelity to the mission of the fellowship. Right. 
right and he's the one who's already struggling with it the most so of course it like yeah it messes him up right like he goes on this journey because he is like well i can get back to gondor if i go with you and i think he always kind of has this ulterior motive of like when the time comes i'll be able to you know get frodo to take the ring to gondor and I think he thinks of it as being able to convince them eventually that like they're mm-hmm. going to get to a point where the journey seems so hopeless that he'll be able to say, let's just go to Gondor and they'll follow mm-hmm. him. So I don't think his plan all along is to do what ultimately happens. No. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I, I just thought that that uh, theory was revealing and a bit funny. <laughs> it was very funny. Yeah. And I think we can confidently say that no, no, it's not Galadriel's no. fault. No. Stop reading Jordan Peterson. Go outside and touch grass. Men are men are pigs. It's not a woman's fault uh, when they do something bad. So I think we can write that one off as a uh, men's rightist. Uh, That's right. Theory. Get out of here. Get that trash out of here. We don't like it. No. But that was my last <laughs> last question about the Great River chapter. Like we said, like not a ton of stuff happens. No. It's more just a vibe. Yeah, they find out that Gollum is tracking them. Mm-hmm. Like, confirmed. Yeah, I was going to say, like, we already kind of Con- know, but... Confirmed that Gollum is tracking them. Um, and more importantly, that he made it out of Lothlorien. Yes. The Great River... Again, like, the elves, like, what? I know. What? How are you missing this creepy little... I know. I know. Maybe he's just, like, so skinny that they can't shoot him with arrows, right? Maybe. Like, they just, like, can't get... He's just not a meaty enough target. They're used to shooting... <laughs> You know, orcs, they're yeah. big and burly and buff. He doesn't count as a person. He's been so ruined by the ring. He counts maybe as the most person person in this book uh, because mm. he's so ruined by the ring. But That's in true. terms of his physicality, he doesn't yes. count as a person. <laughs> um, uh... But yes, Gollum is following them. We find that out. I feel like this chapter, again, like we talked about how in kind of the breaking of the fellowship they're at a physical and a mental and an emotional Mm. crossroads and i feel like the great river is just like the chapter is buying the time that aragorn needs Mm -hmm. uh Mm -hmm. it's also you know putting kind of like putting the pressure on uh yeah it seems kind of I guess symbolic that like, you know, they're traveling around this down this river and as they get closer and closer to making their decision, right, they run into Sarnkabir, which is like a rapids mm-hmm. <laughs> and they have to get around them and then they end up in uh, you know, the little gorge slot canyon, whatever, to float past the Argonoth. And they're like squeeze, 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 mm-hmm. and then they literally like shoot out into the yes. lake, and then that's when they make their decision. And it's like mm-hmm. pressure, 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 and then like, okay, here we are. So I do think there's maybe a little like symbolism. Oh, for sure. Kind of the river, uh, mm-hmm. sort of reflecting what is kind yeah. of happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And the relentless pushing forward too that they're mm-hmm. right experience like they have to keep moving mm-hmm. even if uh, they don't know where they're going. <laughs> Aragorn cough cough, but he figures it out. Mm-hmm. Figures it out. He does. Sam, well, Frodo and Sam figure it out for him. Frodo is ultimately the one who makes a choice. Yeah, uh, that that solves all of it. 
let's talk about Frodo's choice. Yeah. It's a real Sophie's choice. It's a real Wisma Solomon moment as he cuts Sam in half and gives half of him to the other members of the Fellowship and takes half of him with him. And he takes the top half because it has I want to take my slave with me. And that is the cutest. That's true. In the words of Tracy Jordan. <laughs> uh yes so frodo uh figures in prominently in the last chapter Mm -hmm. uh more so than in the great river although he's Mm -hmm. present in that one as well but and the big thing of course is his choice to leave and my question was uh how his decision relates to boromir's fall but also thinking backwards um his other encounters with people who have been corrupted by their ring including bilbo and rivendell Mm-hmm. who snarls at him mm-hmm. um, and also Gollum who's uh, mm-hmm. you know just all kinds of messed up <laughs> so I was wondering you know is he kind of uh, you know is that decision to go it alone because right he's not planning to take Sam mm-hmm. he's just no. gonna go by himself uh, so how much of that is sort of this uh, I mean is it like you know is he thinking of sacrificing himself for the others in this moment too is that kind of what's happening here I mean, does Boromir's actions kind of seal it for him? Mm. Because he needs time to think when he wanders off. Well, does he? I don't think so, but I was asking (laughs) what you thought about that. I don't think... I think... I don't think I think... uh, There's some real Sam Beckett for you. I, (laughs) I think that... To use a word I used no more than 10 minutes ago, Boromir maybe galvanizes mm-hmm. Frodo's decision. But from what Sam says yeah. later in the chapter, it seems like Frodo has made this decision already. He just is not quite ready to start. Mm-hmm. Right? He's afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like uh, the initial leaving of the Shire all over again. Right. Um you know he wants to go alone he's mm-hmm. afraid he just needs to get started um but i think boromir yeah. i think both boromir and we can talk a little bit about his climb up amon hen mm-hmm. um i think those both sort of seal the deal for yeah. him yeah his um, climb is a lot like aragorn's moment at the end of the previous chapter mm-hmm. when he becomes the king. There's an interesting mm-hmm. parallel between he and Frodo mm-hmm. in these two chapters. Yeah. And like, like, I think that I don't, so like, okay. So his decision to leave mm. is made before Boromir's, you know, attempt to take the ring, which we should probably discuss a little bit more, but we can get there. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know how much of his, this, I would, think that perhaps his decision is influenced by right Bilbo and Boromir and Gollum and like knowing that other people could be corrupted by Mm. the ring is it also slightly altruistic in the sense that like he just doesn't want anyone else to have to like he Mm. knows that this could take his life like does he does not want anyone else to have to go through it as yeah as well i think right? he, i think he thinks he's not coming back from this yeah i think he's having the realization that 
I think Gandalf we talked about knew mm-hmm. or suspected, which is that right. you know Frodo was not going to survive this. Um, right. Yeah, so he doesn't want to take anybody with him. For sure. So I think it is partially right. Like he sees the way that the ring corrupts. He doesn't want to have to deal with that because like who would? Mm-hmm. Um, but also I think, yeah, he is, he knows he's the sacrificial lamb. He really is. And he doesn't need, you know, someone to toss him into the fire. <laughs> Without the ring. Right. And also, he likes his ring. Mm-hmm. He probably doesn't want anyone mm-hmm. trying to take it from him. Yep. Yep. I would agree with that, too. He's possessive of it. You know, at this point, there's no question of, like, whether or not he can actually complete the task. Mm. But I do think that, like, he doesn't want anyone else to try to, you know, take it. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Frodo's like, oh, I'm just going to go off alone so that I can, you know, sneak out into the east and live with this ring forever <laughs> in a beautiful home we built together. Might. That'd be cute. But I do think that, like, he doesn't you yeah. know, want any threats to it. It is funny. He offered it to Gladriel like two chapters ago. Mm hmm. I mean, I think he still doesn't want it. The responsibility of it, yeah. Right, but he wants it, you mm-hmm. know. He doesn't really want the responsibility of, like, destroying it. But I think if someone were like, Frodo, you can just have and keep that, I think he'd be okay with it. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. All things being equal. You know, he, he, he wants Galadriel to have it so that, like, she could take it and deal with it. <laughs> like, I don't think he, he's like, oh, you can have this to be, like, you know... The a queen, bad guy, beautiful and terrible. Beautiful and terrible. Was the dawn? Uh, you know, I think that he is hoping. Oh, I can give this to you, and you can. Yeah, do something about this, right? Yeah, but he's everyone's trying like, no. to pass the burden. He's not trying to like get rid of the ring itself. He just doesn't want, yeah, the the responsibility. Typical man. Typical man. <laughs> I was trying to push it off on a woman. She doesn't want it either. <laughs> Should we talk a little about Boromir? Sure. Oh, Boromir trying to take the ring. I think he seems less crazy in the book than in the movies. I don't know. Homie, he's pretty crazy. He is pretty crazy, but I feel like he's a little less crazy. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't like. I don't know. Maybe it's an apples and oranges thing. I think he's crazy. Oh, I think he's crazy. I think he seems a little less less. And I think crazy. the thing that makes me say he seems just I think just as crazy in the book as in the movie is like he keeps switching between like it's like oh I'm your friend we can go Mm. to Minas Tirith together it'll be great and it does sound great and then uh he immediately is like you little hobbit piece of 
garbage. <laughs> you just listen to whatever Gandalf and Elrond tell you. Like, so he goes from being like so friendly and controlling yeah. to being a bully, like mm-hmm. instantly. And then he like, you know, he's talking to himself. He's yeah, it's like Gollum. pacing up and down, right? He's not yeah. even. But then he's like, surely you see it, my friend. <laughs> yeah, so I think he seems a little crazy. Yeah, I guess it's a different crazy than on the in movie. In both instances. I haven't watched this scene in the movie in a while. Um, I mean, I don't... I think he's more sympathetic in the film. Mm-hmm. Although, I don't know. Cause like, he, he seems does, more pathetic in the film, I guess. He does weep at the end here. He does, yeah. Like, it's the same pathetic moment. He catches his foot on a stone. He falls down. Frodo's gone. Yes. And he says, what have I done? Yes, he weeps. And then he says, what have I done? Frodo, Frodo, come back. A madness took me, but it has passed. Come back. Glad Joe gave it to me. Uh, yeah, glad Joe <laughs> gave it to me. She put this madness in me. My mind. <laughs> she freaked my being. <laughs> oh, there's our episode title. Uh, <laughs> um, But I think... I think the thing that makes him seem to me a little less sympathetic in the book mm-hmm. is actually the exchange that he has with Aragorn after he comes back. So oh, right yeah, in the movie, right. he doesn't come back no, with the group. Because the archives show up. Yeah. yeah, Aragorn just finds him as he's dying. And he's like, I tried to take it. I've got blood coming out of my mouth, man. Stop asking me questions. <laughs> um, but like he comes back. And Boromir... Aragorn asks if he's seen Frodo, and Boromir's like, yes and no, I found him, I spoke with him, I urged him to come to Minas Tirith, I grew angry and he left, he vanished, he must have put the ring on, and Aragorn says, is that all you have to say? Uh, looking hard and not too kindly at Boromir, and Boromir says, yes, I will I will say no more yet. So, like, this to me makes him a little less sympathetic, at least at this point than in the movie, because he's still kind of sneaky whether he doesn't want to talk about it now, I can't talk about it. Uh, it's too fresh. Or if he, like, you know, is being purposefully a little sly here is unclear. But I think either way, it's a little less. Mm-hmm. Uh, he doesn't have the bandwidth right now yeah. to, to handle it. Oh, my gosh. So you can email him later. Yeah. yeah so I think that. I think this makes him, to me at least, mm. a little less sympathetic than in the in the movie where we see him like we yeah, and then immediately right. go and save Mary and Pippin and mm-hmm. get his. You know, the redemption takes longer in the book, yeah, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Yeah, because he does redeem himself. He does in the next book. <laughs> yeah, but uh, uh, is Boromir the most human? Literally, everyone on the internet says he is. What about Gollum? He's too tiny. (laughs) Although, I will say... Some humans are tiny. I will say, Danny DeVito might be the most human of us all. And he's tiny. Yeah. So. So. Maybe he is. Maybe Gollum was the human we met along the way. Yeah. What? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Enough of whatever that was. <laughs> <laughs> uh.
yeah, I don't know. Is Gonzalez human? Maybe. I don't know. He's he's too like beyond the. He's too beyond the brink. Yeah, he's like too far gone. He's over I the mean, hill. He's way it, over yeah. the Well, I mean, his his final sort of redeeming act, right, is still one of selfishness. He just doesn't realize it. <laughs> I don't know. I think. Ahead, but... Yeah, we're thinking way ahead, but I think. Boromir, Faramir, and Gollum are kind of an interesting trio that I'd love to to mm. revisit. Well, you just love Faramir. I do love Faramir. I'm, mm. I'm a <laughs> Faramir gal. Not Gollum? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I do love a loincloth. What can I say? <laughs> a dirty loincloth, not just a loincloth. A filthy. A filthy rag. Loincloth. Uh, um, no, that it, yeah, because we do see here that Boromir's actions do mirror what we get from Gollum later with the you know talking to the self pacing weird mm-hmm. switches in moods, right? Um, um, thinking that yeah. like they can use, I mean, I guess Gollum doesn't quite think of it this way, but right, like deluding himself that the ring can be used for good, like Gollum has has this delusion that it's his birthday present that he's like owed, yes. right that he's owed yeah. the ring. Uh, it was given to him. It was given to him on his mm-hmm. birthday by his friend Deagle. And Boromir <laughs> has this delusion that they yeah. can take the ring, they can take it to Gondor. It can be used. He never really says by whom. He never mm-hmm. specifies who's going to use the or ring. Or really how. That's right. <laughs> he just thinks that like they can take it and they can use it to defeat yeah. Sauron. Um. And no matter how much Frodo's like, that's not how it works, my man. Uh, he won't listen to him. So it is like, you know, I think we see Gollum as sort of this creature apart. Um, and so I think looking at Boromir and kind of mm. how he's affected yeah, kind of throughout the book by the ring, but especially here, gives us a glimpse of like, okay, Gollum was maybe not all bad. No, you know, if we have right. Boromir, who's been described as you know this kind of great guy, <laughs> uh, who is you know, cor- yeah. you know, being corrupted by mm-hmm. the ring in such a way, I do think this sets us up to understand Gollum in like a little more of a sympathetic way. Yeah, yeah he lived with it for centuries, so mm-hmm. of course he's messed up by it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, Gandalf says as much and Frodo will too, that mm-hmm. like, you know, Gollum is more to be pitied than scorned. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is uh, often an unsympathetic Oh, yes, 100%. <laughs> but I do think um, Tolkien but... tries to get us to, I do think he is mm-hmm. trying in some ways to get us to sympathize with him. Right. Um, yeah. And I That's... think by I think by giving us Boromir, he helps. Mm-hmm. He helps with that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I would agree. Also suggests that the future of men is not great. Yeah. But uh, it's a problem for another age. Well, and for a book he never wrote, but right. apparently thought about writing. Thought about writing. But he's like, it's too sad. <laughs> I would have loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, future of men is not great. Mm-mm. Not good. Too easily corrupted. Right. 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 So easily corrupted. 
the hearts of men are easily corrupted. That's why Isildur took the ring in the first place. Should have known better. Should have known better. That's right. Frodo puts on the ring to get away from our our mad hatter here. Yeah, he does. Of course he does. Yeah. What choice does he have? He's small and weak and Boromir is big and strong. (laughs) He's a small boy. S-M-O-L. Yeah, small. small boy. Small boy. So he puts on the ring. He, he scuttles. to a chair. He scuttles. He does. He runs to the seat of seeing, the hill of the eye of the men of Numenor. What does he see? What does he see? What does he see, Aaron? Do you remember? <laughs> he sees a lot. He does see a lot. And I have a he... question here. Oh, what okay, he sees. Well... Do you want me to read what he sees? Sure, yeah. Okay. Eastward he looked into wide uncharted lands, nameless plains and forests unexplored. Northward he looked, and the great river lay like a ribbon beneath him, and the misty mountains stood small and hard as broken teeth. Westward he looked and saw the broad pastures of Rohan and Orthanc, the pinnacle of Isengard, like a black spike. Southward he looked, and below his very feet the great river curled like a toppling wave and plunged over the falls of Roros into a foaming pit. A glimmering rainbow played apl- upon the plume. Wow, flume. That's hard to read. Played <laughs> apl- upon the flume. The flume. Yikes. Foom. There's an L missing. Foom. Oh. Foom. That must be a word. It's probably some Anglo-Saxon thing. Uh, and Ether Anduin, he saw the mighty delta of the river. But everywhere he looked, he saw the signs of war. The misty mountains were crawling mm. like ant hills. Orcs were issuing out of a thousand holes. Under the boughs of Mirkwood, there was deadly strife of elves and men and fell beasts. And the land of the Bjornings was aflame. A cloud was over Moria. Smoke rose on the borders of Lorien. Horsemen are galloping. The ships of Herod are put out to sea. Uh, the Eastmen are moving endlessly. All the powers of the Dark Lord are in motion. Then turning south again, he beheld Minas Tirith far away. It seemed and beautiful, white-walled, many-towered, proud and fair upon its mountain seat. Then he sees Minas Morgul and Gorgoroth and uh, Mount Doom was burning. And then he looks upon the Dark Tower. He becomes aware of he it becomes aware of his gaze and mm-hmm. the eye begins to search for him so let's break let's break this down a little bit mm-hmm. so he looks to the compass directions he kind of sees very right. very far yes so my first question is is this the and i truly don't know i'm just i'm mm-hmm. curious is this the power of the ring that allows him to see really far is this the power of the seat mm-hmm. of seeing that allows mm-hmm. him to see very far or is it kind of both I think maybe both, because the idea that anyone could just wander up that hill, plop down on the seat of seeing and see to this degree seems extreme. But I mean, I don't know. It's the Numenorians. Who knows? Like, well, that's normal true. rules don't really apply. That's very true. They do um, not. So I think if I had to, if I had to choose, yeah, I think I would say both. Okay, that's po- fair. But I'm not sure what my evidence for that is. I would <laughs> Other than agree. like a gut feeling. I would agree that it's probably both. Okay. And it's I've kind of for the same reason. Yeah, I don't know. Like I don't know how this magic chair works. Well, he kind of I see him almost as like a 
in comp like he's the two towers right now like he looks at uh oh right yes right and the eye kind of like sees and robes and like Mm -hmm. can see further than its want right and he's up on another high place and he has the ring on and i imagine it's sort of giving him similar powers Mm -hmm. to what sauron is able to do Mm -hmm. from you know veridur and right he can kind of see as the dark lord sees Mm -hmm. yeah that would make sense with what we've heard from gladrill a few chapters ago too so i think that it's i think it's mostly the ring okay but probably the seat a little bit too that just gives him like this vantage point Mm -hmm. um and then he like see do you think that what he sees Mm -hmm. um so we talked about how like boromir right kind of forces him to like move move his little tush towards making his decision do you think this does as well oh yeah absolutely do you think more or less than boromir uh I feel like I'm asking you a story. No, <laughs> if, if Boromir leaves at 4.15 p.m. from Minister, then Frodo leaves at 4.59 p.m. from the Shire. Um, no, I think that it does. Well, I think the significance is more for the reader than for Frodo, honestly. Mm-hmm. OK, because what this does is it shows all the things that are riding on his little tushy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's looking out, right, and he's seeing everything. Mm hmm. The whole world around him, all these mm-hmm. things are happening. And it's mm-hmm. all because of this thing on his finger mm-hmm. that he's responsible for. And only he's responsible for, mm-hmm. as we've been told multiple times now. Um, so I think it's another instance of we talked you talked about the, you know, the the narrowing of the canyon pressing down on them and maybe specifically pressing down on Aragorn. I think this is Frodo's mm-hmm. equivalent moment, right, where the weight of the world is presented to him as being mm-hmm. quite literally his burden. Um so that's how I read it as more kind of just emphasizing for the reader that significance like i think he's made his choice by this point mm-hmm. already i don't know if this necessarily i mean it certainly doesn't dissuade him but i don't know sure if it, you know is, is something that pushes him further in that direction i think it's more just for us to see the stakes sure that makes sense in a way that's different than what we've been told because we've always been told what the danger is right but he's right. being shown right yeah and i think and I think that we don't, like, we don't understand maybe unless you've read the Silmarillion and kind of like yeah. know the Tolkien sort of pattern of like cataclysm and war. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't really know that there's like a war building, mm-hmm. right? We know Frodo's going to destroy the ring and like presumably Sauron's up to some shady Something. shit. There's, there's strange folk and, about. And so is Saruman. Mm-hmm. But like you said, it's like this, the whole world is being drawn into this conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe in a way that like we and also Frodo have not quite grasped. Right. I mean, we're hearing about parts of the world we didn't know about until mm-hmm. now, unless right. you've read, you know, right. other things. But like, you know, we have the, we got the, the boat boys are showing up. Everybody's mm-hmm. showing up. Yeah. Um, so this is a sort of cataclysmic moment where we certainly realize the stakes, and I guess Frodo does too. Mm-hmm. And of course, the, you know, having Sauron look for him at the end of this reveal is, you know, just further emphasis of 
Everything that's kind of stacked against him. Did you like this book, Aaron? Yes, I like the second half. I think the first half was it has its moments, but it's a little slow. What were the moments in the first half that you uh, liked? I enjoyed uh, the the Brie tavern scene. That that was fun. Oh, yeah, a bit you of really color. liked that. King of the Prancing Pony over mm-hmm. here. Let's resurrect uh, that. <laughs> I thought that was good. Uh, I mean, the top sequence is nice. Yeah, that's nice. Time. That's really nice when Frodo gets stabbed in the shoulder. I love well, that Well, I mean, too. you need a little tension, which we don't have much of in the first half. I don't know. I think the pacing's better in the second half. That's fair. It just moves a little faster. And there seems to be more direction in terms of where the narrative's going. There's a lot of faffing around in the beginning. Yeah, I mean, Frodo faffs you know, for like five years before he leaves. Yeah, right. He just, uh, yeah, he waits forever to leave the house and so, yeah, I, I think it gets better as it goes along. I enjoy it. I like it, ultimately. Tolkien finds his legs. I think he does write himself into the story, very much so. Do you have a favorite character, Aaron? Uh, I mm, That's a good question. In this book? Uh-huh. So I'm not sure if it stays the same throughout the three books. That's but... fine. It doesn't have to. In this uh, book. Yeah, in this book. Favorite or most interesting? Can they do let's separate? do let's do separate let's do okay. separate all right so my favorite uh i i think i like gandalf he's got some good moments in the beginning okay he has a fair. cool balrog fight uh, you yes. see his power that's right yeah i'm interested in his arc okay great and who's the most interesting it's probably boromir fair he's the most complex at least yes Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> uh, most complex until we get to Faramir, for sure. Say what you will. Well, I think they're complex in a really in different similar ways. way. I, oh, see, uh, I, well, think, so I guess, yeah, similar but different effects. Maybe. Exactly. Yeah. I, think, I think they're complex in the same way. It just... Uh, Manifests. There's a big... Uh, there's one big difference between the two of them. Yeah, for um, sure. But I do think, you know, their daddy fucked them up in a... You know, they were raised in the same household and they both got kind of... But did Galadriel um, poison Denethor's mind? Emotionally, emotionally <laughs> yeah. abused by their father in different ways. Mm-hmm. So it's like the Trump family. Yeah, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How about you, River Rat? What are your favorite? What's your favorite character? Do you have mm-hmm. one? My favorite character in this book. It's a fatty bulger. Know. I was going to say Fatty Bulger just to troll you, <laughs> but I decided not to. <laughs> Farmer Maggot? No. No. It's cool. Jeez, I don't even know. I don't love any of them in this book. Yeah. Uh, but if I had to say... Build a Pony. If push came to shove, it would be Build a Pony. <laughs> No, it would probably. I like Aragorn as Strider. Yeah, sure. So I would think I would say Aragorn. I think he gets less interesting the like he becomes further king. on we go. Yeah, I like Aragorn as Strider. Um, a little rougher around the edges. Yeah, for sure. I mean I am River Rat, so I like him a little rough around the edges. Um, <laughs> most interesting. You like Gollum and his loincloth. Yeah, we we part. Most interesting character. Um, Probably Galadriel. Yeah, that's a yeah, good choice. 
And like, I never really thought of her as the most interesting character until we had our discussion about her. And now I think, mm -hmm. you know, I think that and Mario's is why I think the second half of the book is better than the first. Interesting places anyway. Well, there, yeah, there are two chapters where like interesting things happen. Then also we get this, I don't know, sense of like the scope of all this stuff. Mm -hmm. The, uh, yeah, like the depth of time. Right. It's a little more interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Boromir is also interesting, but I'm not going to say the same character as you. I mean, you could. Because that would be boring, Amir. Wow. Yeah. I think that's it. Yeah, it does. That feels unceremonious, but the end of the book is kind of unceremonious. <laughs> it really is. It just sort of happens. Yeah. Frodo and Sam get in their boat and they float across the, the river, and mm -hmm. the lake, I guess. And that's. Yeah. That's yeah. that. <laughs> Makes sense why the movie uh, went a little further along. Yeah, you gotta end on a more exciting note than getting in their boat. Boat. Yeah, well, Sam almost drowns. So. Well, that's true. Uh, yeah, we will return. Yeah, the in, two a, towers. in a few weeks. With a few the weeks. Two towers. We're gonna go build two towers and then. Yeah, so it takes time. Yeah, we gotta, you know, hire an engineer, and it's a whole thing. The permits. Oh, the permits. The city is really getting my goat. <laughs> Can't build two towers in your backyard. Because I thought this was America. Zoning laws, my friend. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, all right. well, thank you all. Thank you all for sticking with us. We mm -hmm. will talk to you soon. On the other side of the river. On the other side of the river with our friends. Actually, we won't. Please. Actually, we won't be on the other side yeah, of the river. We, yeah. <laughs> we will talk to you yeah. on this side of the river. Yes. Bye bye. Bye bye.